Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton. The Longhorns were uh, beat pretty bad in the fourth quarter by Oklahoma State on Saturday. Uh, I'm here with Inside Texas publisher today, Eric Nalin. Eric is uh, going to talk. Uh, Eric and I are going to talk a little bit about the, the game and and really what went wrong for the Longhorns uh, and where things look headed forward and maybe what uh, Steve Sarkeesian might do with this off week ahead. Uh, Eric, welcome in. Hey, thanks for having me, Bobby. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy you're here. You're, you're the man of the hour, sort of, so, so let's get going. Yeah, no, I know. It's, it's, it's tough. Tough sledding yesterday for the Longhorns. Don't right? put this one on me, Bobby. Don't put this one on me. The, I, no, I think I think that the the Texas offense and defense uh, bear some of the brunt. But yesterday, really, Eric, uh, I think what we saw was an offense that cratered in the second half uh, and just literally wilted in the Texas sun. Uh, we also saw a defense that put in a pretty good performance for three quarters. Right, held held uh, uh, the the Cowboys to I think just seven or. Uh, 10 points on offense until the fourth quarter and then uh, just really succumb to that uh, power rushing attack uh, that uh, Mike Gundy likes to use. And uh, Jalen Warren really uh, got the best of them. But let, let's start with the Texas offense and what went wrong. Um, Casey Thompson, and, and I'm, I'm starting here because I do think that he had a bad day. There's no doubt about it. 15 of 27, 179 yards. Those don't sound bad on the surface. One TD, um, two interceptions, both costly. He ended the, he ended the day uh, with a 12.7 uh, QBR uh, quarterback rating. Uh, anything south of 80 is, is probably not going to get you a win very often. So, Yeah, well, before I say anything about Casey, I want to give uh, the viewer full disclosure that we have an NIL deal with Hudson Card. Um, and if you feel that that renders what I say about Casey uh, moot, then that's fine. That's that's uh, definitely up to you. I understand. Um, but, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much I, I'm always authentic and honest. And so what I say today is how I actually feel. And it's independent of uh, Hudson. Uh, well, you know, he started off pretty well. Uh, so it was hard for me to think that the injury was going to play a big part uh, down the stretch. Obviously, the, the worst uh, thing that happened was that pick six. And uh, the first thing I looked for in the following uh, drive was uh, how he responded. And he looked he definitely looked shell shocked after, after that pick six happened. Um, you know, that pick six is indicative of, of why he lost the job coming out of camp. That, that happened uh, a, a little too frequently for Sark's liking. Uh, it was a it was definitely a momentum killer. Uh, but that's something that could have been uh, overcome. You know, that you got to bounce back from that. It happens all the time in football. Um, and so I don't, you know, I'm not going to say that that's what would cost them the game or anything like that. It was, it was definitely a team offensive uh, meltdown in the second half that, that really, really uh, uh, gave them the, the result they got. Um, the inability to run the ball, uh, then getting away from running the ball late uh, definitely sunk them. You know, it's uh I was I, on Thursday. I said I was I was fearful. I wasn't fearful of Oklahoma State's talent, but I was fearful of Mike Gundy. And uh, I think Mike Gundy got the best of uh, Sarkeesian. 
Yeah, um, you mentioned, um, here is my, I, I agree with you. They got away from the run too quickly, maybe. Uh, they were having some success with the outside zone and, and just didn't really tap the well enough, in, in, my, opinion, in my opinion, right? I mean, um, furthermore, uh, it's the second consecutive week where a defense has said, okay, we're not going to let B. John Robinson beat us. Some other people are going to have to do that. Um, right. And I do believe that Casey was injured a little bit. I mean, the balls sure. were fluttering more than than they they typically do, especially on some quick balls to the out. Um, but it, you know, Bobby, it might have had as much to do with that huge hit he took um, where he came out for a play. Uh, it was amazing; he only came out for one play. Um, the one where it didn't get called for driving him into the ground, which is stupid, but they called it on Ray Thornton, which was very bad uh, right before it. Um, so, I, you know, there's a good chance that the, while the thumb was affecting his ability to grip the ball and things, uh, him getting antsy in the pocket might have had more to do with that giant shot he took. Yeah, I really I, I agree with that. And I think that that can affect a ball game. Right. Is is how physical a team was. I thought, you know, from my standpoint, Oklahoma State was more physical on both lines. Yeah, that wasn't a real surprise coming in. Uh, really, I thought the defensive line played good early on. Of course, they, they devoted some weight to the front uh, when they played a 3-4 quite a bit. Uh, we knew they were going to run a base, uh, and that's what we saw. They, they bring in uh, Ovi to play Sam uh, in tandem with, uh, with Ray, and they had Alfred Collins playing defensive end. He looked great doing it. So the defensive line played well early on. Uh, they definitely played worse as the game went on, but that's to be expected uh, when the offense is so ineffective. You know, you can't mount – three and out after three and out and turnover after turnover uh, and expect to win ball games. Uh, you know, you're going to wither late. You know, Texas, it was a complete meltdown in the fourth quarter on both sides of the ball, more so on offense than defense, in my opinion. I mean, defense just got ran over after they got tired. Right. But the offense was incapable. No first downs in the fourth. One yard, they had one yard in the fourth it, quarter. Yeah. I mean, so pinning this on the defense is just not, accurate in my opinion the defense held oklahoma state to 25 points right right um but i felt like and i wrote in in a piece on sunday morning that the markings of a bad football team were actually there in the first half for us for us to see somewhat and, and i don't mean to call out individual players because we know things can happen but things like keandre coburn uh horse collar tackle ends up costing texas three points um mm -hmm. A junior Anglau false starts, pushes Texas further back. Josh Moore drops a pass in the first quarter that could have put Texas at second and eight instead of second and 16 or whatever it was. Um, how, about the, how about the fact they don't even know what their best offensive line is coming into the game and they're shuffling guys all over? You know, it's the position that requires the most continuity on the field, uh, and you're not going to get it by rotating guys in and out. Yeah, and, and I think that's, you know, that's another thing. I mean um, – Christian Jones uh, made a heck of a block on the Bijan touchdown run. I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but, you know, he's probably not very good in pass protection compared to some other guys, right? And so I think they were mixing and matching based on what, it, what they wanted to do, and uh, that uncertainty uh, caused some problems. And then there at the end, I mean, to add insult to injury, uh, true injury, Jake Majors comes out of the game with the game on the line, you know? <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, Texas goes out on downs in that series. Um, I, I look at it and uh, obviously somebody besides Bijan Robinson and even Xavier Worthy to a, to a point has to step up in this offense. Casey Thompson couldn't do it. 
uh, on Saturday. Uh, neither could Josh Moore. Uh, neither and, and Marcus Washington actually led the team in the receiving uh, with two catches for 60 yards. But, you know, even, even the catch by Washington, Texas only scored three on that deep ball, by the way. Whereas yeah. if a guy has right out speed, he's probably, it's probably seven points instead of three. Right. And so yeah. Texas needs somebody else uh, to step out. Who's it going to be? Or with Jordan Whittington out, is this, is this kind of who Texas is right now? Yeah, I think the, the best that fans can hope for is that they improve incrementally across the board and it raises the whole ship. Um, I don't think some somebody's going to come out of the stands and, and fix it for them. Um, you know, protection needs to be better. That way, you know, in case he has time, he's pretty good. He can be pretty accurate. He, he's shown that he's improving the deep ball, uh, but he needs time and comfort. And if he doesn't have that, uh, then it's going to be trouble. So you can't really build the identity that Sark wants of, of Bijan, Bijan, then play action over the top if you don't have protection up front. They're going to have to cause more indecision with the uh, with the defenses. Uh, they can't just be allowed to to tee off and devote numbers to the box. So they're going to have to create indecision somehow, um, and then they're probably going to have to use max protect more. Uh, you know, Sark. <laughs> I think we say it every year, but this time I really mean it. The, the bye week couldn't have come at a better time uh, because Sark not just about getting healthy, but he needs to figure out the offensive identity for this team. It can't just be Bijan because then you just put a target on yourself. Yeah, I, my question is this, right? I mean. The tight ends were not involved at all yesterday. The running backs were marginally involved in the passing game. Right. Um, why? I mean, yeah, I don't know. He, he comes in with a great plan, it seems like. Um, and, you know, it's like, hey, I don't need the tight ends. I'm just going to do it like this. He had a lot of uh, horizontal motion with Keelan and uh, Xavier Worthy. Uh, that'll get the linebackers thinking. Uh, and when that kind of disappeared. You know, people say that, why would you give the ball to Keelan when you got the best running back in the country? It's so that you can make it the best running back in the country's carries more effective by drawing defenders out of the box or, or moving around, taking bad steps. Um, you know, why is Robinson getting one carry when that one carry actually worked? Um, they had that play. I'll tell you what was a bad play on Bijan's part was that false start. Um, when they had that lined up. Yeah. yeah, Xavier Worthy was about to get some out of that. Um, so you can't necessarily go to back exactly to that play, but build a counter off of it. Um, you know, he can go back to it next week but or week after, but they got to build a counter off that or have something else to do. Uh, you can actually run counter off that too, Bijan. Uh, so there's a, you know, Sarkeesian has a lot of work ahead of him. I'm, I'm not down on him. I mean, I'm, it's easy to be uh, down on the dumps after a game like that. Uh, it's easy to have a lot of questions, but um, I think he'll figure it out. He's, he's a, he's a sharp guy. He just, he does need more talent. I agree with that. Uh, but he also needs to figure out some things on the chalkboard that are sustainable. Yeah. I, I feel like with the tight ends, I, I mean, they're using them to block because the tackles need so much help. Right. Yeah, in pass protection. I mean, I, I mean, they're leaking late if if at yeah. all. You still uh, got to sneak out. You still got to sneak them out. That's that's the freest yardage in football is people sleeping on the tight ends underneath. Yeah, and it, it's just not happening. It, it almost seems like, and and I'm not trying to pick on Casey here because it just it happens across football. I see, I see, uh, quarterbacks get enthralled with the downfield throws. And yeah. they, don't, they don't check to their outlets enough. I mean, sometimes the best play uh, can be a, a five-yard toss to Bajan that goes for 12, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that we haven't – we saw that early against Rice and um, Texas Tech, right? I mean, T Thompson was checking down a lot to, to those guys, and we haven't seen it really since. Uh, we didn't see it much against TCU. We didn't see it at all against Oklahoma, and we saw it. Uh, maybe once or twice 
this weekend. So uh, yeah, I have a, two tight ends is a heavy investment in the passing game, and if you're going to ignore it, uh, you know that's. <laughs> They're able to cover uh, cover elsewhere to vote numbers, so they've got to get those guys involved. You know, it's uh, there's a lot to work on, that's for sure. Yep. Um, let's let's flip sides. I think we've uh, talking too much about the offense right now. After after that fourth quarter can, performance can make people sick. So so because it was definitely a uh, it was a uh, I don't know it was uh, definitely uh, nauseating, right? Um, yep. Flipping switch, flipping sides to the defense uh, for the second consecutive week, the defense, you know, gave up a lot of yards on the ground in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, is that entirely uh, scheme related? Is that because they're in t- because they're tired? Um, is it because they're they're not coached well? I mean, what what's the what's the key here, and what are your your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, the key is probably a combination of all of it. I don't, you know, I don't think there's ever one reason for, uh, for things to go sideways. You know, there's usually a confluence of factors, um, being tired is first and foremost, you know, that's what happened is, uh, you know, the one thing that changed over time was they're on the field too much, you know, uh, the Oklahoma state, while they might've changed some things up a little bit in the running game, they didn't just all of a sudden have a light bulb moment and, and start running the ball better. They ran on a tired front, uh, and they were always physical, uh, I, I would say Oklahoma State's team is probably a little better conditioned. Uh, that played a factor. Uh, but, yeah, tired defenses, man, you make mental mistakes, you make physical mistakes. And I think that was the number one driving factor of why the defense uh, uh, fluttered. It is concerning to me that um, PK gives up so many free yards in the running game, especially on his side of the field. Uh, one of those last drives, I forget the exact one, you know, they're playing two high safeties on their side of the field and giving free yardage in the running game. Like, you have to get a stop here, get off the field. Not only does you have to get off the field to pre- preserve points, but at some point you got to get you guys off the field so they can rest. Um, so he's, he plays a part in them being on the field so long by by allowing a, a, a lot of easier underneath yardage. If you look at how Oklahoma State plays uh, when they need to get off, guys off the field, it's a lot more aggressively at the line of scrimmage or at the line of game. Uh, PK is just back there uh, letting his guys do his thing. And I don't. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. He does have some personnel issues, that's for sure. I don't want to sit here and go take any individual player to task. You know, they'll say we just did that with Casey, but, you know, we kind of have to do that with the quarterback, regardless of who it is. Um, there, you know, there was that one uh, where they gave up a third and eight, 39, and the, the safety's bailing deep um, on a trips formation. Uh, I don't understand that. I, I'm, I'm just going to assume that that guy was uh, – that he was not doing what, what PK wanted out of that. Uh, but, yeah, there's some – Yesterday, there were some uh, frustrating elements of the previous staff, um, and uh, I don't, I don't think that's who they are at their core. But, but that's that's a that's a story we've seen far too many times yesterday. I, uh, you know, Demarvian Overshone going out early. I don't know that that really hurt Texas. Um, maybe from a playmaking perspective, but Jalen Ford stepped in and and led the team in tackles with 12, 12 stops. Um, if you're looking for a singular 
highlight unexpected of the team <laughs> yesterday. I think Jalen Ford's it, right? Yeah, I'm always looking for silver linings. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that is, I think he yeah. of anything ha- that happened yesterday that we learned that may actually end up being long term a, a positive for Texas. I would say Jalen Ford may be it. Yeah, and I'm glad he made that highlight play in the flat because it really made people realize, hey, who is that guy? Um, you know, used his eyes well, tracked it down, was aggressive, uh, made a great tackle. But yeah, if if um, if that if it comes out of this game that Jalen Ford becomes a, a big contributor to the, the second half of the season, um, and then you know that'll definitely be something that the, the program is lacking. Um, there haven't been too many instinctive linebackers. Uh, we talked about it recently, right? Uh, Derek Johnson is <laughs> what we came up with. That was a long time ago. Um, so yeah, they, they, if he could step up, that'd be, that'd be great. They need, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a little surprising that David Benda hasn't played more and played better, uh, this season, uh, Ford came in with some high hopes into the spring, didn't exactly perform great or consistently enough. Uh, but you never know when the light bulb is going to come on for an individual player and the game slows down and when he starts making plays and maybe that happened with Jalen Ford, uh, maybe not, but we'll see at least, uh, at least he gave us something to, to hope for in the coming weeks. Well, I tell you what, the play in the flat that you're talking about, he did everything you're talking about. Right. He, he, he anticipated it, and then he went out and trusted himself to go make the play. I mean, he, yeah, started, that's a- he started that he started that uh, that route before the running back did. Yeah, that's the same play that the, nobody makes when B, when they uh, motion Bijan over and he scored like three or four touchdowns on it. He made that play. Uh, maybe maybe he's seen it so many times in practice. Yeah, and, and but that's good, right? I mean, that's that yeah. repping that is is you actually want to see that. I mean, Benda has, uh, you know, he makes a lot of false steps. I think as a line, at someone that uh, would would say that, but again, you don't want to go too far into any individual player because it's a team sport. But I, I feel like the Texas defense. Um, one other thing I want to ask you. It looked like the Texas defense tried a little something different yesterday. It looked like the defensive tackles were getting more upfield and trying to get more penetration, and we're able to, and forcing Jalen Warren to make earlier decisions, something that he had a problem doing, I think, choosing the right hole early in the game. But as he got used to it, maybe he got better at it or the linebackers just weren't filling like like they were supposed to. I mean, do you notice that at all? Well, I noticed they were getting more more penetration. Uh, you know, again, they had more size up front too. That's more for Oklahoma State to account for. Um, yeah, they looked good. I mean, everybody was making plays uh, on, along the defensive line, especially Alfred Collins. He was, you know, that was that was probably the best game of his career. Uh, he might probably the most snaps he's ever played too. Uh, Coburn made a few plays, and yeah, you, you could see uh, Warren was stopped behind the line of scrimmage on a number of times. Um, pursuit tackling was pretty good. Uh, behind the line of scrimmage, you know, tackling wasn't wasn't great overall. It was better than last week. Yeah, uh, I I think the defense is playing better. I, you know, I, I just do it. it. It's hard to explain it to people when the results aren't there. Um, but you know, I, I do think that they're playing better. Yeah, I, I I've got to be honest with you, Eric. Uh, like we said, I mean, they only allowed twenty five points to Oklahoma State. It and sixteen of those came in the the fourth quarter. You know, and and seven came off an interception uh, that was deep in Texas territory. Right. Yeah, so, there's, there's a good thing. DK's finding something. He does need to fine-tune it, and he needs some help on the offense, and then we'll probably start seeing some uh, some better uh, defensive performances overall. Yeah. I mean, if, if Texas goes up by three scores in the second quarter, I think it forces Oklahoma State to change its offensive perspective and, and what they were trying to do. And, 
and maybe that changes the outcome of the game. But, uh, hey, I, before we go, uh, you know, obviously a huge recruiting weekend as well for Texas. Um, and I think we've got to hit on it because there, this game could or could not impact it. And I want to get your feelings on something, but I want to, at the same time, I want to tell a story. Um, and, and if you'll oblige me here, um, I, I was in the stands when Texas lost 66 to three to UCLA. Okay. Brutal. And I stayed for the entire game, tried to, you know, watch, talk to some recruits after that sort of thing. Right. Um, likewise, so was a guy named Ahmad Brooks. He was in the, he was in the stands for that game. He was committed to Colorado and I, I've talked to Ahmad several times, and I still talk to him every so often, you know, not maybe once a year or something. I, I, I connect with Ahmad. But long story short, I had this conversation with Ahmad about why he chose Texas ultimately. And part of it, a large part of it, was that 63, 66 to 3 beating because he felt like, okay, I like Texas. I can come here and play right away. So yeah. now that's not the way you always want it to go. You don't want to no. for the beat down. No. Uh, it also coincided with Mac Brown coming to town, uh, that signature. But my point being is, is that losing a football game is not always a predictor of individual recruitments, especially when they're this far into the process. And so I want to, I want to caution people that may be overreacting on how, uh, how exactly this game may or may not affect recruits, that were on campus this weekend. Uh, some of them, uh, you know, from what I could tell, the atmosphere was good. So uh, some of them may have, may have had a great time. I mean, what, what are you hearing early feedback on in that regard since there were so many uh, big time players on campus? Yeah. I, yeah. I think, um, I mean, there's definitely some scuttlebutt of some, you know, uh, apprehension, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit, but um the guys that are in attendance, especially that 2023 class, I think is, is pretty excited uh, still. Um, I'll, you know, I'll wait. I know everybody's going to be wondering about Arch. I'm waiting to hear more about that. I do think there was some opportunity cost and lost yesterday with uh, that loss and, and uh, you know, the way the offense played in the second half. That, that, that's never going to help. Uh, it's also not the end of the world. Um, the more, the stronger, like you mentioned, we're, we're a little deep into the end of the cycle and the, and the stronger relationships you have, the more you can actually sit them down, talk to them, and tell them exactly what happened. Um, I would want, if I was a coach, I'd want to go on in the film room and not say anything negative about an individual player, but say, look, this is what we're asking them to do. Um, you know, or maybe this wide receiver was open. You got to anticipate that throw. This is where you, you're wide open, Evan Stewart, <laughs> you know, uh, that sort of thing. So you have to, you have to have a good relationship with them and you have to kind of explain it to, uh, you know, show, show them the film, uh, at a higher level. And you, you have to really connect with them for sure to, to get through the rough patches. But, um, you know, for those that are worried about perception hurting things, uh, there's still a lot of season left and they can finish strong. Uh, you know, we saw them finish strong in what, 2007 and bounce into a strong 2008. That's still on the table. Um, they've got a lot to improve. I'm not overly worried about recruiting yet. I think the bye week is a very good chance for the coaches to get on the road, go see every single target uh, at the games that they can. Um, and you have to really firm up relationships. Uh, strong relationships is always going to win recruiting. I bet you Maude Brooks had a favorite coach at Texas uh, – and it wasn't just the school that he liked. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, uh, it was Mac Brown. I mean, he liked, yeah. he liked Mac, and I think that that mattered. I, you know, um, I can't I can't help but get back to, and I like Marcus Washington because I think he's a team player. I mean, I think he's a guy that blocks, try, tries his butt off. You know, 
Um, yeah. But I can't, I can't help but come back to that, that catch. Um, you know, Evan Stewart or Jonte Cook probably r- ride out on that, right? Sure. Um, or Brennan Thompson or wh- whoever you want to put in there. Evan Stewart's back, back pedaling into the end zone on that one. Okay. And, and, that, yeah. and that, that's the difference that, you know, that's the difference between seven points and three points, right? Yeah. Um, ultimately, along with, you know, some other issues that happened that, that, that ended up uh, uh, thwarting that drive. But that's why recruiting matters. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we pay so, such close attention to it. Uh, hopefully help is coming on the defensive and offensive lines, uh, right? There's some guys in town that, that, that are uh, dealing with that right now. But, um, Eric, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, we want to get, get you on more often and, and uh, talk to you some more. And, uh, again, for those that uh, are not subscribers to Inside Texas, uh, I would suggest uh, highly suggest a subscription. Uh, Eric is uh, uh, as good as it gets with melding the information from the team uh, together with recruiting to to give uh, everybody an outlook of what what's really happening for the Longhorns. Uh, myself, Jerry Hamilton, Justin Wells, uh, Ian Boyd, Joe Cook is there on the ground in Austin, uh, covering all the press conferences. Uh, we are on Inside Texas, uh, you know, <laughs> from from morning news and uh, morning, noon, and night, uh, yep. and uh, we really we really enjoy actually the discussion too. We don't. We don't really want to just talk at you. We want to talk with you. Uh, and so please join us. Also, if you enjoyed this video, please uh, click on the subscribe button and hit like. Uh, uh, Eric and I would both appreciate it. Uh, but uh, for Eric Nolene, I'm Bobby Burton. And thanks for watching.